How are y'all this morning? Good, good. It's good to see y'all here today. Good, and it's a beautiful day outside. It's nice to be here in God's house. We've been in a series of sermons on the commands of Jesus. Because Jesus said that whoever has my commands and does them, he it is who loves me. So we've got to have them, we've got to do them. So do we have his commands and are we doing them? And this is the, the one I want to look at today. The sermon's entitled, Do Good, But How? Or Why? And it comes from the Sermon on the Mount where so many of Jesus' commands come from, Matthew 6. And there are three parallel passages in Matthew 6. And I'm going to read the verses that are commands from these three passages, but they're all saying basically the same thing. Matthew 6, verses 2 through 4, verses 5 and 6, and verses 16 through 18. That should be 16. I'm going to start off just reading uh, Matthew 6, verse 1, just to give you the background, the, the context. Beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then he gives us some specific examples. Verse 2. Thus when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So that's alms. Let's skip over now to verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see how that's similar to the alms? Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, skip down to verse 16. And when you fast, so it's alms, giving alms, it's prayer, and now it's fasting. And when you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So apparently we've got a, a pretty easy choice. We can either do good things in order to be seen by men, and if that's the case, then we will have received our reward on earth. Or we can be, do good things in secret, and our Father who sees in secret will reward you. Which would you rather have? And how do you want to do good things? And why? Let's bow together. Father, as we come now to talk about doing good, we know we need to do good. We know we want to, to help those in need. And we, we need to pray. And we need to to fast sometimes just because spiritual matters are more important. And so when we do these things, help us to do them for the right reasons. Not to be seen by others, but to be seen by you who sees in secret. Only you know our hearts, our sincerity, 
So let us be true to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are clearly here three things that the followers of Jesus do that he talks about here in the beginning of Matthew 6. It's almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And those three things are parallel. And he says the same message, the same intent in all those three things that we're supposed to do. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't tell us to do them. That's a given. When you, when you give alms, when you pray, when you fast. So he doesn't tell us to do them. He tells us how we're to do them and why we're to do them. And the reason Jesus is telling us this is, is pretty obvious. Because there are all kinds of religious people in Jesus' day who were doing all of these things, who were doing all kinds of good things, but for the wrong reason. They were doing them for show. And so Jesus addresses the motivation for why you do good things here at the beginning of verse 6. Verse 5, I mean in, in chapter 6, because in chapter 5 he had told us all kinds of things we're supposed to be doing. But so often, and this is what I see happening over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus doesn't just address the outward show. He addresses what's going on in the heart. Because that's where everything starts. That's the root of evil. That's the root of good. And however things start in the heart is what Jesus is more interested in than the outward show. So why do you give? Why do you pray? Why do you fast? If it's for earthly reasons, well and good, you will have received your reward in full. But don't expect anything more. But if you do it for God, your reward will be in heaven. If you want to do it to impress people, okay, you've impressed people. If you want to do it for God, your reward in heaven will be full because God will see in secret. God knows everything. And he knows the thoughts and intentions of your heart. So even if you think I'm doing it for good, but I don't mind if so-and-so sees it, or I don't mind sharing that I did this to somebody else, or you know, I don't mind this being discovered or found out, then God knows. And he who sees in secret knows everything. If it's done for earthly reasons, you've already had your reward. If you do it for heavenly reasons, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So you can either receive the praise of men that fades quickly or the praise of God that lasts forever. Which would you rather do? Something that might last a few years or something that lasts forever, forever. That's the choice. And it's a clear choice. We're going to need some background because what Jesus is addressing here was common in their day. Obviously, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were doing things for show so that people might see them and they might impress them with how pious they are, how religious they are, how good they are. Alms, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. Why? They're being praised by men. They have received their reward. When you give alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't even, don't even be proud of what you're doing so that your alms may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Contributing to God's work has always been an important act of worship. The Old Testament says the tithe is 10%. This isn't talking about the tithe. This is talking about alms, which is an offering 
given for the needy, given for the poor. The tithe to the, to the synagogue or the temple or the church is already a given. This is going over and above the tithe. This is the offering. These are the alms. And alms were important in Jesus' day because they didn't have Social Security. They didn't have Medicaid or Medicare. So the, those who were needy had to be cared for by those who loved God. And those that loved God had figured out a way to do it so that everybody knew about it. It says, sound no trumpet. Now that's, that's a weird phrase. When you give alms, sound no trumpet. There, there are two alternative interpretations of what that means. There was in that day the possibility that actually when a wealthy person came up and gave alms that a servant blew a trumpet so that everybody would know how much, what this person was doing and, and would be impressed by it. That's one of the possibilities. The other one is the possibility that the receptacle was actually kind of horn-shaped that they threw their coins into. And uh, if you take some change and you throw it in this metal horn-shaped receptacle, the Pharisees had figured out a way to throw that into that receptacle so it would go round and round and round and make as much noise as possible. Didn't just drop in silent money. They dropped in loud money and made it clang and, and ring and, and cringle all the way down as it went down into the box. Jesus says, if you do that to impress people, I mean, if you, if you help somebody in need, that's good. Do it in secret. Do it in secret. Don't tell anybody what you've done. Don't advertise it. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The right hand was always used for, for doing good. The left hand was used for impure purposes. And, and don't, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your father who sees in secret will reward you because that's what is important. If you do it for the, for the praise of men, you have received your reward in full. Instead of public charity for personal applause and popularity, Jesus teaches a private charity for divine benefit. Do it for God. And if you do it for God, you don't have to let anybody know. I remember in high school, we were, a friend of mine and I were eating pizza at this pizza restaurant. And this man came in and his car was broken down. And um, he, he, he kind of showed us what was wrong. And, you know, we had a little bit of money. I shouldn't even be telling you this now because <laughs> I'm doing exactly what this Bible says not to do. But, uh, you know, he, he needed a part. His car wouldn't crank. And, you know, we tried to push it off and all these kinds of things. And, and eventually we just kind of pulled whatever little bit of money we had and gave it to him. And I remember my friend and I talking about this passage and saying, you know, we don't really need to tell anybody about this because doing it in secret is the reward enough. And if you advertise when you do something good for somebody, you've already received your reward in full. So that's, that's giving alms. That's just helping somebody that has need. Just do it and don't tell anybody about it. Verse 5, that's alms. When you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites because they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Why? Not so God can hear them, but so they can be seen by people. So they can be seen by men. I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, do what? Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Who are you praying to? If you're praying to God, you don't need to do it in front of people. If you're praying for people to see, then yes, do it in public and make a big a show of it as possible. Once again, the Pharisees had taken something that was intended for spiritual needs and spiritual purposes and distorted it and perverted it and twisted it so that they could do it in order to draw attention to themselves. That was why the Pharisees did anything spiritual. I mean, what's the point of doing it if somebody doesn't know about it? Why, you know, why do good if you can't impress somebody? So they had taken even something as, as significant and spiritual as prayer and twisted it to draw attention to themselves. The Jews had three set times for prayer in their day. It was 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. So guess what the Pharisees did? They just planned, coincidentally, to be in the synagogue or to be in a crowd of people at 9 a.m. and 12 noon and 3 p.m. They had just coincidentally planned to have an audience when they prayed. So when they prayed, they prayed loudly so everybody would know what they were doing and how good and pious and holy they were. They were impressing their fellow man, but they were not impressing God. So when you pray, go into your closet. Do it in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Have you seen the movie War Room? We saw it last weekend. And let me tell you, it's a great movie. It's a movie about prayer and the difference that prayer can make in, in someone's life. And, and I'm not going to tip off the whole plot, but just the, the title War Room doesn't refer to a room where earthly weapons are kept. It refers to a, a little closet where this godly elderly woman prays. That is her war room. That is where she goes and wars for people who have need. That's where she goes and prays for people who are struggling. Because that's what the Bible says to do. When you pray, go into your closet. And this lady actually had a closet that she cleaned out of all her shoes and clothes and, and junk that we keep in closets and put a chair in there and had a prayer list and had scripture and, and just used that as her private place to pray. And that's where she warred for the people in need around her. And, and this, incidentally, this passage is so important that Jesus kind of uh, diverts from this parallel of almsgiving prayer and fasting and gives us the Lord's Prayer. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, Pray like this. Actually, this is like the model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He gives us an example to follow and what to do when we pray and the kind of attitude we have when we pray. So what does this say about public prayer? 
like on Sunday mornings when, when Barbara comes up and gives the offertory prayer or when I, you know, give the invocation or when we do the closing prayer, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Jesus prayed publicly in the synagogue. They prayed publicly when they worshiped. But don't ever let that public prayer substitute for private prayer. You see what can happen? If you don't have the foundation of private prayer undergirding you, providing the, the spiritual sustenance and strength you need, then you don't need to be standing up in front of others and praying. Somebody said, well, I don't know how to pray. What do you say when you pray? And I usually say, well, do you have a best friend? Do you have a friend? Yeah. Well, how do you talk to them? Well, we just talk about what's on my mind and, and what I'm going through. And, and they share with me, you know, what they're doing. And, and, and the more time we spend together, the closer we are. Well, guess what? That's what prayer is with God. You don't have to heap up empty words and phrases that you don't really understand what you're saying. Just talk as a friend to a friend. And he who sees in secret will hear you. And that relationship with you, what will be the reward? Your relationship will be deepened. Your love for God will be even more intense. And your passion uh, will, will grow stronger. Because as any friend, when you spend time with somebody and when you talk with them, the more time you spend, the closer you are. And that's what prayer is with God. Phil Donahue in one of his books, kind of an autobiography, he tells a story about a mining accident as when he was a fledgling reporter. He was just getting started and there was a mining accident in West Virginia. And he, he got on the side and there were men buried deep down and it was dangerous and, and people were scared and uh, he was covering it and there were cameras there. And uh, he noticed over on the side that a minister showed up and gathered some people around him and they started praying. And uh, before Donahue could get over there with the cameras, they stopped, they'd finished. And so Phil Donahue said, he said, pardon me, sir, would you mind praying again so that we could get it on camera? And the minister said, I'm sorry, Mr. Donahue, but we don't pose for prayer. We don't do it for show. We do it because we're talking to God and we have a need. And he who sees in secret will hear us and will reward us. And so that's, that's the lesson. Just pray. Spend time with God. You don't have to advertise it. You don't have to brag about it. You don't have to do it for show. You can do it in private. And that relationship with God will be deep, deepened. And that's the reward that you will get from being obedient to this command. The third one is just like almsgiving and prayer. Same wording, when you fast, verse 16, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So whether it's almsgiving, prayer, or fasting, don't do it for show, don't do it in public. Because the hypocrites do it and they actually disfigure their faces. What did they do? They actually put ashes and, and um, dirt on their faces 
like they were in just great mourning. Have you ever seen movies or pictures of, of Middle Eastern people who just throw dirt up in the air on themselves and cover themselves with, with ashes and, and sackcloth because they are uh, in such great spiritual struggles? That's what he's talking about here. When you fast, and he assumes you fast. Remember Jesus fasted in the wilderness 40 days he was in the wilderness when Satan was tempting him. Why did Jesus do that? Because he had something more important on his agenda facing him. He knew what he was preparing for. And it took 40 days of fasting and prayer in the wilderness to prepare for what lay ahead, knowing the cross was out there. And so he was out there and he fasted not to, you know, not to impress anybody. Nobody knew he was doing it. He just did it because the importance of something spiritual superseded everything else in his life. And so he fasted. Now, this one was, this good deed was more difficult to display. You know, the Pharisees had figured out a way to display their almsgiving and their prayer. Their almsgiving, they made as big a racket as possible when they were giving. When they were fasting, uh, when they were um, praying, they did so in public so people would see them and be impressed. But now how do you fast and impress people? Well, they figured out a way. This is, you know, I, I just told you, they, they put ashes on their face. They put dirt on their face. They neglected their appearance. You know, usually they'd come out and they'd be anointed and everything would be fine, but they, they neglected their appearance. And so they would look like they were really sacrificing something to impress the people around them. I did something kind of like that one time. <laughs> I was in seminary. And um, one night, I can't remember if I was writing a paper or studying for an exam, but I stayed up all night. Pulled an all-nighter, we called it, in college and seminary. And um, the next morning, I was getting ready to go to class. And I said, you know, I'm not going to take a shower. I'm not going to wash my hair. I'm not going to get dressed up. I'm not going to shave. You know, I'm just going to look kind of grubby. Maybe somebody will ask me why I look so grubby, and I can tell them that I stayed up all night to study. Well, it worked, but it backfired because I distinctly remember walking down a hallway, and, and you know, there were a lot of guys at seminary, Bill will tell you, who never took showers, who never shaved. But, you know, I usually tried to clean up for class, you know, and, you know, look, look halfway decent. And a professor noticed. And he said, you know, he says something like, Wayne, you look like you've been up all night. Studying, I presume. He said, it does not impress anyone. Because what it does say is you must have procrastinated in your preparations. <laughs> so I never did that again. So if you do something to impress people, make a sacrifice, staying up all night, fasting, whatever, it doesn't impress anybody, especially God. The importance that Jesus is talking about is your motivation. Why do you do what you do? When, whenever you're doing good, why do you do it? Is it, do you help somebody because you want somebody to find out when you pray? Do you do so so that others may hear when you make a spiritual sacrifice of some kind like going without food or, or, or 
you know, depriving yourself of something in order to spend more quality time with God, why do you do it? If you do it to impress others, if you do it uh, for show, then what you have done is robbed the glory that God is due. Why do you do it and for whom? If you do it for yourself and you get the glory, it's wrong. If you do it for God and give him the glory, it's good, it's right. When you exercise any spiritual discipline, and these are just three examples, helping the poor, praying, fasting, when you do anything, it should never be for show. It should always be because you love God and you want to give him the glory in it. Because if you get the glory, then you rob it from him and you can't, you can't both make yourself bigger and God bigger at the same time. And that's what glorify means. It means to, to make bigger, to enlarge, to enhance. And you cannot glorify yourself and God at the same time. You can't make yourself look bigger and God look bigger at the same time. So when you glorify yourself, you take it away from God. It's either you or it's, it's he. Which is it going to be? Like every good thing, like every good thing, we can figure out a way to ruin it. We can figure out a way to distort it into something less honorable. And here I think Jesus is saying the heart, the motivation, the intent is the key. You may be able to fool others. And sometimes you may even be able to fool yourself and think, you know, I'm really a good person. Look at what I've done. But whom can you never fool? You can never fool God. He sees the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. When we focus on Him and give Him the glory, our good deeds will be pleasing in His sight. Otherwise, it's just an exercise in self-display, in self-aggrandizement, making ourselves look bigger and better. And just as an aside, this is why I'm conflicted. Um, when someone wants to do a newspaper article on a ministry that our church is doing. And let me just tell you, I'm so proud of this church and there's so many good things that this church does for the community, that this church does for missions, that this church does around the world, but we do not advertise it. We don't put it on the front page of the paper. You know, somebody will say, but that's, that's good PR, that's, that's good publicity. But when we do good, I don't, I don't want it to be for show. And so when the newspaper calls or when the television station calls and says, you know, we want, we want to know more about this, I really have to wrestle with it. You know, are we doing this to draw attention to ourselves? Are we doing it to draw attention to God and give Him the glory? I ran across a verse of Scripture this week in preparing for this sermon. It's in 1 Timothy 5, verses 24 and 25. 1 Timothy 5, 24 and 25 says this, The sins of some men are conspicuous, pointing to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also... Good deeds are conspicuous, and even when they are not, they cannot remain hidden. So I think what that verse is saying is that when we do good, it may not remain hidden, but we don't need to be the ones that advertise it. God will know, and in the end, 
That's all that matters. Let's bow together. Father, you have given us much in resources and opportunities, and I thank you for all the good that this church does. So often behind the scenes in secret because we don't advertise and we don't splash stories in the newspaper or on television or, or, or in any kind of public domain because that's not the reason why we're doing it. This church is built on love. And, and everything we do, God, is because we love you and our focus is on you and we don't ever want to do anything that would take the focus, the attention, and the glory away from you. And so when our intentions are self-serving, show us and help us to repent. But when we do good in secret, we give you the glory now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.